0: Well, well, well. September 2022 was a wild ride for Google Updates. Google essentially rolled out three updates in short succession. The first was called the Helpful Content Update, which started rolling out on August 25th and completed on September 9th. That was followed by the September 2022 Core Update, which began three days later on September 12th and wrapped up on September 26th. And finally, the September 2022 product reviews update also rolled out during the same window as the September core update. So the product review update overlapped with the last week of the core update from September 20th to September 26th. So, whoa, that is a lot of changes in one short month. And depending on the type of content you publish, you may have been significantly impacted by one or all of these updates. Check your Google Analytics and Google Search Console dashboards to see if you had any significant ranking changes in September and whether they correspond with any of these dates, bearing in mind that there is some overlap between updates here, which makes it harder to suss out exactly what's going on. However, if you dig into the data, you can look to see whether you've had a site-wide loss or boost in rankings, or if just a certain type of content on your site was impacted, which should help you figure out how to troubleshoot and work on recovering. I may record a future podcast episode about analyzing a traffic drop from an algorithm update, but for today's podcast episode, I really wanna focus in on the first update that Google rolled out in September, the helpful content update. And I want to talk about that update today because it felt a little different than a lot of Google's regular updates. For this update, Google released a lot of information about what this update was designed to do and how to make sure that you're publishing content that's in alignment with what Google wants to rank. And since I know not everyone listening to this podcast is an SEO fanatic who keeps up with the latest Google news every day, so I thought for this podcast episode we could walk through that information that Google released about this update which includes a list of questions to ask yourself to help determine whether or not the content on your website is actually helpful and worthy of a top spot in Google. Then I will add my own unique commentary as well on top of Google's information to help you understand what action steps to take to make sure that you're publishing high quality, helpful content on your site. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. On August 18th, 2022, Google published a post on their Google Search Central blog announcing that they would soon be rolling out an update called the Helpful Content Update. They said in their blog post that they're trying to serve up the most helpful content possible in the search results and reduce the number of times people click on content on the first page of those search results, only to feel disappointed in what they find. They talked about the experience of clicking on a search result and feeling like the content wasn't really written to actually help people or that it may not have even been written by a person at all. This is a thinly veiled jab at the surge of AI-created content that is being published right now. Uh, They specify that they want to rank content that is actually helpful to readers, not content that appears to have been designed just to rank and get clicks. Because yes, there are people out there who publish an incredible volume of low-quality content, hoping that some of it ranks so that they can get lots of traffic and monetize their site with display ads or affiliate links. And these types of sites are sometimes called rank and bank, aka they're trying to rank as quickly as possible to make as much money as possible in the short term knowing that they're probably not really building an actual brand with legs that can withstand the test of time. They want to create quick cash and just plan to rinse and repeat this process if and when their site eventually gets knocked down by Google. As we know, SEO is sort of a cat and mouse game, with people trying to figure out how Google ranks content so they can attempt to game the system, and Google constantly tweaking their algorithm to prevent spammy content that is gaming the system from ranking. So this isn't really out of the norm in the SEO world. It's just that Google appears to be intentionally setting their sites on low quality, over-optimized content that may not actually be serving anyone. As I mentioned, Google released a set of questions that you can ask yourself to determine whether your content is actually helping people. Obviously in a perfect world, you want your content to be both helpful to the reader and optimized to rank in Google. It's just that sometimes people lose sight of the reader, resulting in content that may not flow well or contain any information that people are actually looking for. So let's go through the questions one at a time and discuss. Some of the questions are a little repetitive or overlappy, so if I feel like they're getting at the same main point, I'm going to group them together. So let's start with questions one and two. Question number one, and again, this is directly from Google's blog that they published in mid-August. Do you have an existing or intended audience for your business or site that would find the content useful if they came directly to you? And number two, does your site have a primary purpose or focus? So the main takeaway here is, does your site actually serve a useful purpose? Is it built to actually help someone? Or did you just target a bunch of easy keywords leading to a hodgepodge of content that doesn't really make a lot of cohesive sense? And this is actually an issue I see quite often for newer bloggers. And this issue actually manifests itself beyond just blogging even. It's a common trouble spot for new entrepreneurs in general and something I myself struggled with for a long time in the beginning of my journey as well. So what happens is that people start their blog or their business without really having a clear niche. They're not quite sure who they wanna help or what problems they're actually solving for people with their content. And when you're missing this north star in your business, the guiding compass that can help you come up with a cohesive content plan, then you often end up lost in the weeds of content creation and keyword research. For example, if you listened to episode 86 of this podcast where I audited a dietitian's website, you may remember that we talked about this. If someone goes to your website and can't immediately tell what you are an expert in or what your site is about or what benefits they can get from you and your content and your brand, then you have some work to do. And I get it. Sometimes we're just too close to the work that we're doing to even notice things like this. It's super easy to just get sucked into writing blog posts every week and forget a little bit about the bigger picture. I mean, perhaps you don't even remember what you wrote on your homepage or your about page a year ago when you first built your site, right? But that stuff does matter if what you're publishing lacks cohesion and a clear purpose. So your action step for this question is to take a real hard, objective look at your site. Is it immediately clear on the homepage what your site is about and how you help people? And do you have cohesion with your brand messaging across your homepage, about page, services page, your blog categories, and your actual content that you're publishing? If not, it's definitely time to make some changes. And just circling back to episode 86 where I audited uh, a dietitian named Angela's website, I'm happy to report that Angela... She got to work right away after listening to my feedback and started implementing some of the recommendations suggested. And she got a huge boost to her website rankings and traffic during the September core update. So her hard work was actually super well timed and it definitely paid off. So I'm really excited for her. She even shared that one of the keywords that she was targeting is now number one in the Google search, and um, she just saw a boost overall by making some of the suggested changes. So, If you need to work on your brand cohesion and serving a purpose and having a clear niche and reason for your site being in existence, um, definitely work on that and it potentially will pay off in the long run. Question number three that Google shared, does your content clearly demonstrate firsthand experience and a depth of knowledge? For example, expertise that comes from having actually used a product or service or visiting a place. So essentially, They don't want people creating fluff content on topics they don't have actual expertise or experience in because nine times out of 10, that type of content isn't actually helpful. Some examples where this especially applies would be things like product reviews or travel blogs, to use the examples in their question. There's been a lot of chatter over the last few years about the low quality of product reviews being shown on page one of Google. And what kind of happened was that large media companies like, I'm just gonna pull one out for example, like Forbes, for example, started to understand that they can make money by posting product reviews on their websites and including affiliate links in those posts. And because websites like Forbes are such big names and they such they have such high domain authorities, like Forbes has a DA of 95 out of 100, for example, which is just insane, uh, they historically were able to rank at the top of page one for lots of lucrative product review keywords, even if those keywords didn't have much to do with their niche. And just to flesh this out, I went into SEMrush to find a real example. So Forbes describes themselves as quote, a global media company focusing on business, investing, technology, entrepreneurship, leadership and lifestyle. And they tend to post a lot of business related content and that's probably what most people think of when they hear that brand name. However, Forbes.com, the website, actually ranks for a lot of high value affiliate keywords that don't necessarily fall clearly within that niche. For example, Forbes currently ranks number one for the keyword VPN with an article listing the top VPN services with affiliate links within it. And if you're not familiar with VPNs, a VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, and it's what people use to create a secure private internet connection from anywhere in the world. And VPNs require payment to use them. So if people read the Forbes article, click on the affiliate links to the products within the article, and then make a purchase, Forbes will earn a commission from that. And the keyword VPN is searched 450,000 times per month. And it has a keyword difficulty score of 100 in SEMrush. So it's a super, super high value keyword that obviously people would love to rank number one for. So just to do some rough math here, let's pretend that 50% of the searchers actually click through to the Forbes site for that search every month. That's 225,000 monthly visitors from that one blog post. And just as an example, again, the VPN plan that they are promoting as the number one option on their blog post pays out $36 in commission for every sale of an annual plan. And that's what they're promoting in their post. So let's pretend that just 0.5%, so half of a percent of those visitors end up buying every month, which is a pretty conservative estimate. 0.5% of those 225,000 monthly visitors is 11,250 purchases per month from that one post. And if each purchase earns $36 in affiliate commission, that's $405,000 per month in affiliate revenue from just one blog post. So that's absolutely insane, right? So large websites started to understand that there was big money to be made in the affiliate space, and they started to use their high domain authority to publish mass amounts of review posts and rank on page one just due to their high authority, even if the reviews were not the highest quality or not the most helpful for the reader. And I bet if you're listening right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've probably seen list posts like 10 best XYZ products where you have pretty low confidence that the writer actually tried any of them. Their descriptions might be super generic. They're not including any helpful, small, like details that only someone who actually used the products would know, it kind of just feels like a bland list post more than anything, right? That's the type of content that Google is now trying to keep off of page one these days. (laughs) They want to promote product review posts from people who have actually physically used the products and who have an, an actual valuable analysis to offer and comparisons and details that show that they know what they're talking about. Another example that they're trying to keep off of page one would be trying to write a travel post like maybe best boat tours in Venice, Italy, uh, without ever having actually been to Venice or tried any of the services. So you get the idea. The main point is don't try to fake the funk. Either you genuinely know what you're talking about or you don't. Don't try to create content just for the sake of ranking if you're not actually qualified to cover it. And of course, this applies to health topics, too. If you don't have an education or experience in a certain niche, then don't try to pretend that you do. Questions number four and five. Number four, after reading your content, will someone leave feeling that they've learned enough about a topic to help achieve their goal? Question number five, will someone reading your content leave feeling like they've had a satisfying experience? And again, this is just reiterating the importance of actually creating helpful content. This all circles back around to understanding search intent. What is someone looking for when they search for a certain keyword? Are you giving them exactly what they want? For example, if someone is searching for the the phrase, what does acai taste like? and This is an example from one of my blogs. Uh, This is not the time to start diving into a lengthy diatribe about the history of acai before you get around to answering the question. If someone is searching for what does acai taste like, the focus of the article needs to be on what it tastes like. So answer the person's question clearly and directly in the early portion of your post, then provide supporting information if applicable. And on the flip side... If someone is searching for something more complex, like maybe how to start a nutrition private practice, then of course, by all means, create an extensive post that actually lays out all the steps. The point here is you need to understand what Google thinks someone wants when they search for a specific topic. And hint, you can tell what Google thinks people want based on what they are currently ranking and displaying on page one of the search results. Then make sure that the content you are creating is in alignment with that. So don't just rehash what other people have already written about on page one, though. That's not good enough, and it's not showing your unique perspective, experience, and expertise. What are you adding to the conversation to really wow the reader and make them want to come back to your content above all the others? How are you demonstrating that you have firsthand knowledge and experience about the topic that people can trust? That's what you need to focus on when creating your content. And to round out this section of Google's post about the helpful content update, they linked to their past guidance on best practices for recovering from core updates, which is basically just like keep following best practices. And uh, they also linked to their guidance on creating high quality product reviews. Then they specifically call out in their blog post, quote, avoid creating content for search engines first. And then a lot of people reading this were like, hmm, you know, if I'm super focused on SEO, Maybe this is freaking me out. (laughs) You know, that's kind of the whole point of SEO, right? To create content that ranks. But what Google's really saying here is not to go so hard on creating SEO optimized content that you lose sight of the bigger picture. Make sure that your site actually adds something valuable to the internet and that it's built to serve an actual purpose. Of course, you can apply SEO optimization tactics on top of that. But if you lack the foundational understanding of why your site exists in the first place, then you might find yourself in trouble. Then, Google lists out another set of questions to ask yourself to make sure you're not prioritizing SEO at the expense of the actual user experience. So for this set of questions, answering yes is actually a bad thing. This is a list of things you should avoid doing if you want to rank well in Google. So let's go through the questions again one by one and discuss. Question number one, is the content primarily to attract people from search engines rather than made for humans? AKA, are you thinking about the reader at all in your content creation process, or are you just trying to do whatever you need to do to rank? If you don't have a clear person you're speaking to on your site, that's a problem. Question number two, are you producing lots of content on different topics in hopes that some of it might perform well in the search results? again this is such a huge one for so many new bloggers because they lack clarity on their niche they end up just creating posts on any keyword they can find that they think they might rank for and they end up with a giant mess of unrelated content on their site that does not position them as an authority on any given topic and that is very unlikely to actually help someone who visits their site If this is you, again, I recommend listening to episode 86 of this podcast where I audited a dietitian's website because I went over a lot of helpful suggestions for tackling this type of issue if you feel like you're making this mistake on your site right now. But the bottom line is you need a clear structure for your site with categories of content that both readers and Google bots can easily understand. Question number three, are you using extensive automation to produce content on many topics? Many people in the SEO world think that Google is attempting to crack down on AI-generated content, because with the rise of AI tools, some website owners have been churning out automated content around lots and lots of topics, hoping that at least some of them will be good enough to rank. And if enough people do this, it creates a lot of low-quality, unhelpful content that Google has to waste time crawling. And it costs Google money and resources to crawl the entire internet. So they don't want a huge influx of crappy content that isn't actually going to end up ranking for anything, because that's just a waste on all fronts. So I think that's really what they're getting at here. Don't just press compose on an AI tool and think that you're going to end up with something worthy of being indexed by Google, because chances are you won't. AI tools like Jasper can be a good place to start writing a blog post, but 99% of the time you will have to do some manual editing, adding to the articles, and fact-checking what the tool has put out. So I don't take this point as a caution against AI entirely, just as a reminder to use AI smartly if you currently use it as a part of your content production workflow. Question number four, are you mainly summarizing what others have to say without adding much value? I love this one. I honestly hate when I click on the page one search results and they're all just repeating what the number one ranked page has to say. And I understand how this happens, I do. People look at the content ranking number one and they think, oh, I must need the exact same stuff to compete. Or they think they can come off as knowing what they're talking about just by kind of rephrasing what someone else said instead of doing the research on the topic themselves and relying on their own expertise and experience. And Google is wising up to the fact that people don't just want regurgitated responses filling up the whole first 10 search results. So they're trying to dissuade people from creating that type of content. I'm not sure exactly how they will adjust the algorithms to prevent this or if that's even possible, but the point is don't be a copycat. Show that you have something valuable to add to the conversation above and beyond what everyone else is doing. And I think as dieticians and healthcare professionals, we really have a leg up here. Don't shy away from showing your hands-on, real-world knowledge, experience, and stories. People want to hear that stuff. And this is actually one of the reasons that people add, uh, quote, Reddit to their search terms so often, like blah, 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 Reddit, uh, to bring up the Reddit search results. It's because they want to read the opinions of real-life people. Unfiltered, raw feedback from lots of people rather than just, you know, a summary of someone who may, be, may or may not have actually had any experience in this topic. And this is one way to elevate yourself above the Joe Schmo freelance writer who has no formal healthcare education or experience. You will simply know things that they cannot know without having lived it firsthand. So lean into that. Show that you have something to add to the conversation that really truly matters. Question number five. Are you writing about things simply because they seem trending and not because you'd write about them otherwise for your existing audience? Again, another cautionary tale to not get too caught up in the allure of keyword research. Always, always, always ask yourself whether a piece of content actually fits within your content plan before creating it. So for example, if you are a low FODMAP dietitian, then no, you do not need to be publishing about the the best VPNs, no matter how appealing it may sound. Always put your audience first. Number six, does your content leave readers feeling like they need to search again to get better information from other sources? I love this one too. It's such a good gut check on the actual quality of your content. If someone feels like they need to read more posts after reading yours, then you haven't done a good enough job with the content. What are you missing that maybe other people are covering? Are you glossing over the details in a way that makes it seem like you might not really know what you're talking about? And sometimes this even comes down to something simple. Maybe your content is pretty good, but if the reader isn't sure that you are really a trustworthy source, they still may go on to read other pieces of content just to confirm that what you're saying is true. So yes, the content matters, but highlighting your expertise, authority, and trustworthiness matters too, so don't skip over those pieces of the puzzle. Show that you've used a product, for example, with real pictures or video. Add in personal anecdotes. Flesh out the pros and cons. Talk about your real life experience with the topic. Include links to any scientific references you're citing. And again, always circle back to the search intent and make sure that you've nailed it. For example, if you're writing about the best vegan omega-3 supplement, did you remember to include a link for people to buy it? Because in that case, some of the searchers might have buyer intent, meaning they really wanted to make a purchase. But if you don't understand that, and you don't help point them in the right direction to purchase, then they still may end up looking elsewhere for that information instead of being fully able to satisfy their query 100% through your post. Question number seven. Are you writing to a particular word count because you've heard or read that Google has a preferred word count? No, we don't. (laughs) So this one's pretty straightforward. The idea, idea that longer content ranks better is pure baloney. Your content needs to be as long as is required to adequately address the search intent, and that's it. Some people like to look at the word count of all the posts on page one and take the average just to get a ballpark estimate of where you might need to be to be competitive, but I don't even do that. I think that's way too simplistic and kind of missing the point. It's really not about the number of words. It's about the topics that are being covered in order to satisfy the searcher. So my recommendation, instead of looking at word count, is to actually Google the keyword that you're thinking about writing about and click into each and every one of the organic listings on page one. What are they talking about? How are they structuring their posts? What are some common threads that you can see? What are some people doing that really stands out? Is there anything missing that you could add to the conversation? Then go out there and create the best piece of content you can on that topic. Question number eight. Did you decide to enter some niche topic area without any real expertise, but instead mainly because you thought you'd get search traffic? This one, again, circles back to the importance of understanding your niche, but also the importance of selecting a niche that you actually have expertise and authority in. And of course, this especially applies to anything health related. So if you are a dietitian, you should not go and create a blog about dentistry just because you saw an opportunity in the keywords in the space, because you are not actually a dentist and you don't have the formal expertise to write about that topic. Of course, you could theoretically team up with a dentist or hire a dentist to review your content if you really wanted to, but you alone as a solopreneur writing about a health topic that you have no formal education in would not work. Question number nine, does your content promise to answer a question that actually has no answer, such as suggesting there's a release date for a product, movie, or TV show when one is not confirmed? This one probably doesn't really apply to most food and wellness related topics, but the point is to not create clickbait style articles that act like they have the answer to something, only to discover it was all a ruse and the post doesn't really help you at all. I can think of a real life example where this has happened to me in the past and it was super annoying. It's happened to me a lot when I search for things like how to watch XYZ movie or TV show. I'll Google something like, is blank on Netflix? And in reality, the answer is no, but the search result titles are misleading in order to get a click. So for example, the title might say, watch blank on Netflix in 2022. So then you're like, cool, and you click the post, but then in the content, it says, XYZ show is not streaming on Netflix, but you could buy it here, for example. And that's so annoying. And that's probably the type of thing Google is trying to crack down on. Then finally, Google wraps up their, their blog post about this update by explaining how the helpful content update will roll out. And it sort of works in two ways. First, their systems will automatically identify content on the internet that seems to have little value, low added value, or is otherwise not particularly helpful to those doing searches. Then, and this is the most important part that really freaked people out, they said, if a site has a large portion of unhelpful content All of the content on that site, not just the quote-unquote unhelpful content, may get demoted in the search results. They even straight up say, quote, removing unhelpful content could help the rankings of your other content. The skeptic in me thinks that maybe they're just saying this or sort of threatening this as a way to get people to voluntarily remove low-quality content from their sites so that they don't have to crawl as much content on the internet, but we'll see. Google says that essentially they will use automated machine learning to classify a site as helpful or not. And that may take many months to have this classification removed if you remedy your site and do things like unpublish the quote unquote unhelpful content. You basically have to prove that the content is gone for the long term and you didn't just delete it for a day to try and recover your rankings. And they make sure to emphasize that this whole thing is all automated. It's not a manual action taken against a site. It's just a new signal that they can use among the many other ranking signals that they have to figure out how to rank content. And at the end of the post, they highlight that this is not the only or even the most important ranking signal out there. And that helpful content still can rank even if it's located on a site that has a lot of unhelpful content if the other signals are strong enough. They also say that the signal is weighted, so the more unhelpful content you have, perhaps the stronger you will feel the effects of this update or new classifier. So to me, that sort of implies that you have to be doing a lot of things wrong to really feel the wrath of this update. Like you have to have low quality content, no EAT, no backlinks or not enough backlinks, no clear niche, then you might be in trouble. But if you have some low quality content amongst a site with a clear authority on a topic, then maybe the impact will be smaller. Again, this is just my conjecture, no one knows for sure and only time will truly tell. So far, the impact from this update has not been as dramatic as people were initially expecting from the announcement. Although Google did say in the announcement that they would continue to refine the signal and come up with more ways to reward people-first content. So perhaps the strength of this signal is gonna change in the future. It's also important to note that this update is not the same as a core update. It's an ongoing new signal that is being added to the algorithm, so it can change and be modified at any time outside of traditional core updates. So unlike other updates where if you are negatively impacted and you may have to wait until the next update to recover, this is a more fluid factor that should evolve over time. So what have we learned from this update now that it's been roughly one month since wrapping up? Keep in mind that it's tough to make any firm conclusions here, since this update was closely followed by an actual core update and then a product review update, but I'll just summarize some of the chatter that's been happening in the SEO world since its release. Based on how the announcement was worded, some people were expecting huge fluctuations in the search results when this update began. However, that did not turn out to be the case. Basically, it seems like the update didn't hit a large number of sites, but the sites that it did hit got hit dramatically. So for most people who were trying their best to actually create value in the world, they probably weren't impacted much. But the people who were trying to game the system with large volumes of content designed to rank without much thought to the user, if the algo was able to suss them out, then the penalty was likely severe. And there were a few examples that people were citing on Twitter about some sites in the lyrics space or the math and conversion space where they're just sort of publishing content in a very automated fashion. Uh, And those websites also had poor user experience and lots of ads, for example. So it sort of felt spammy. Um, There were not many examples of sites that were hit in the health niche, uh, but SEO expert Glenn Gabe did find one example of a site that was focused on reviews of health or medical products that saw a drop. So essentially with this update, it seems like mostly the sites with the most offensive examples of unhelpful content were affected. So the overall impact across the whole internet may have felt small, but people in the SEO world still think it is significant because it's emblematic of where Google is trying to go with search results in the long run. So overall, the takeaways from this episode are to make sure that your site and your content are actually doing something out there in the world. Get crystal clear on who you are serving with your content and make sure that you're not getting distracted by every keyword under the sun and accidentally diluting your topical authority. Do your best to create original, authoritative content that's not just a rehash of stuff that's already out there on the internet. What do you have to add to the conversation? And what are you doing to demonstrate that your content has value and deserves to be ranked? And always, always, always keep your reader in mind. Make sure you have a good understanding of search intent and and you know how to deliver up exactly what people are looking for. Pair these main ideas with solid on-page, off-page, and technical SEO tactics, and you should be setting yourself up for long-term success if this is the direction that Google is leaning into moving forward. And as always, if this type of stuff is interesting and exciting to you, I welcome you with open arms to join my course, SEO Made Simple. In that course, I teach my four-step framework for getting traffic from Google so that you can learn how to get your content in front of tens of thousands of people every single month without spending all day on social media or paying any money for ads. SEO is really incredible when done right, and I just get so excited every time a new wellness professional signs up because I know that's one more well-qualified person who's learning how to reach the masses and make an impact on the world. If you want to learn more, head to SEOwaitlist.com and add your name to the list to get an exclusive invite to join the course. Joining my email list is currently the only way to enroll, so definitely add your name if you want to learn more. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.